Feels. Girl Power. This is the story of the girl who dreamt up Mary Poppins, P.L. Travis, read by journalist and TV presenter Lisa Wilkinson. Ginty was nesting. She piled up the twigs, leaves and stalks of straw, fluffing them into a cushiony mound. She wiggled her hips and carefully lowered her bottom. Ginty, her mother's voice called from the veranda. Dinner time. Poultry didn't speak English, so Ginty ignored the warning. Besides, she had eggs to keep warm. Ginty, the call came again. Dinner. She reluctantly stepped away from the nest, leaving behind her imaginary, unhatched babies. But halfway back to the house, her dad jumped out from behind a bush. Hello, Mrs Chicken. Where are you off to? Ginty smiled. I was pretending to be a hen, but Mum says it's dinner time. Her dad furrowed his brow. Nonsense, he said. You can be whatever you want to be. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Go back to your nest. Your eggs need you. Seems silly, but he meant it. Ginty's dad had always let her be whoever or whatever she wanted. Her real name was Helen Lyndon Goff. But when she said she preferred Ginty, her dad made everyone call her that instead. He was a mischievous man, but Ginty was glad he taught her that imagination was important. Sometimes imagination was all Ginty had to save her from boredom in their humble country Queenslander. And without the fantasy worlds that lived inside her tiny head, Ginty wouldn't have been able to cope when tragedy struck. And tragedy did strike. Her beloved dad got sick and died suddenly. Ginty was only seven. The tear-stained cheeks of Ginty's little sisters, Biddy and Moya, glistened by the light of the fire. She wrapped them in a feather-filled quilt and stoked the flames. The sky was black. Rain was pelting the tin roof. And their mum had disappeared. Ever since the girl's dad had died, their mum had been frazzled. She'd threatened to walk out, to leave the girls, all under ten, to fend for themselves. And this time, she'd actually done it. Ginty held her sisters tightly under her wings, like a proper mother hen sheltering her hatchlings. Let me tell you a story. The sobbing grew quiet as Ginty's words began to flow. Do you see that shimmering white colt? Look at his lustrous mane and his swinging tail. He's magical. He can fly through the air. He can gallop across water. I think he's here to rescue us. Shall we ride away to Fairyland? There was silence. The tears had stopped. 
The door creaked. Mum! She was back. Biddy and Moya leapt up, throwing their arms around her thighs. Ginty stood aside, shoulders back, chest puffed out, strong and proud. She'd realised something by the flicker of that fireplace. Her imagination wasn't just somewhere she could escape. It was the most powerful tool in the world. It could restore calm, ease pain, create hope and bring happiness to others, even in their darkest moments. Ginty was a storyteller. And if she wanted to start a new chapter in her life, she would need to write it on her own. Pamela Lyndon Travers. It sounded good. Pamela was glamorous. Lyndon was the middle name she was born with. And Travers was her dad. Ginty had reinvented herself. She wrote short stories and articles for magazines, squirrelling away her earnings to pay for a ticket to the land of poetry and fairy tales, the United Kingdom. And it wasn't just herself that she'd reinvented. Pamela gradually transformed the white horse from the story that she told her sisters when they were all children. It morphed into a human. A lady named Mary Poppins, who spoke to animals and birds and flew with an umbrella between the stars and planets. She was magical. But Pamela didn't want to make Mary Poppins a simple, dainty fairy like so many others in the tales she'd read. She sat at her desk in a cottage in the English countryside, scribbling notes on the back of envelopes and scraps of paper. Spit, spot, she wrote. Spit, spot. Now where have I heard that before? Pamela closed her eyes and cast her mind back to her childhood. She remembered her Aunt Ellie coming to visit. There was a warm heart somewhere inside her, but she was a stickler for discipline. Spit, spot, she'd say. It meant hurry up or move it along. Aunt Ellie was also a little peculiar and mysterious. She carried a bag made from carpet. It seemed to be a bottomless pit. Pamela wrote another note. Mary Poppins shall have a carpet bag, a magical carry-all. It will contain an apron, packet of hairpins, perfume, an armchair, throat lozenges, a bottle of medicine, seven nightgowns, a pair of boots, a set of dominoes, two bathing caps, a photo album, a bed frame, blankets, and a feather-filled quilt. As ideas continued to flow, Pamela continued to write. What is Mary Poppins' purpose? She wondered. Pamela remembered her Aunt Ellie trying to help when her father was sick, but it didn't work. He died, and the family was left miserable. Mary Poppins would be different. She'd be more like the horse from the story Pamela had told her sisters. 
a hero. But she wouldn't need to save children. Pamela may have been sad when she was little, but she was never a helpless damsel in distress. Mary Poppins would be a nurse sent to a troubled family to help their dad. He would be the one who needed rescuing. The fictional family would all live at number 17 Cherry Tree Lane. Their adventures unfolded on the pages of what became one of the world's best-selling books. Mary Poppins by P.L. Travers. Pamela, welcome to Los Angeles. You may call me Mrs. Travers, thank you very much. Mrs. Travers, her preferred new name despite not being married, wasn't blinded by the bright lights of Hollywood. For 20 years, 20 long years, one of the world's most famous men had been trying to woo her. He wrote letters, he made phone calls, he sent gifts, but it wasn't some mushy love story. In fact, he didn't even like Mrs. Travers all that much. He found her rather prickly. He was being so persistent because he wanted something of hers, something she wanted to fiercely protect. He wanted her story. He wanted Mary Poppins. Trust me, Mrs. Travers, he said. I'll take care of it. His name was Walt Disney, and he wanted to make Mary Poppins into a movie. He flew Mrs. Travers to the US for a meeting. I've heard of your work, she said. I won't have my Mary Poppins turned into one of those sappy cartoons like Bambi or Dumbo. Mary Poppins is serious. While other writers lined up at Disney's door begging him to read their stories, Mrs Travers shook her head firmly. It would take big money for her to even take notice of any so-called big shot. How is £100,000? Disney asked and 5% of the film's profits. It was the equivalent of millions of dollars today. It would set Mrs Travers up for the rest of her life. Fine, she agreed, but I have a long list of conditions. Usually when an author hands their book over to a film company, they don't have any say in how the movie is made. But Mrs Travers was cheeky. She dug her heels into the ground, demanding Disney include her. She stood over the scriptwriters and composers, shoulders back, chest puffed out, strong and proud. This won't do, she said, crossing out drawings. The house is too fancy. The clothes are wrong. Mary Poppins doesn't look like that. She insisted that the movie must not be turned into an animation that the setting and actors must be British and that Mary Poppins must not fall in love. She didn't have time for that. Disney agreed, but was so frustrated by Mrs Travers' ferocity that he forgot to invite her to the film's first screening. Big mistake. Telegram to the attention of Walt Disney. Sometimes a person, through no fault of his own, can't see past the end of his nose. I trust you will have a seat reserved for me at the Hollywood premiere of Mary Poppins. Spit spot. Mrs Travers. 
as she sat in the famous Gorman's Chinese Theatre watching Mary Poppins on the big screen, Mrs Travers cringed a tad. She didn't like the scene with the animated dancing penguins. Too cartoonish. But she let it pass. She wasn't one to cry, yet a few tears escaped. No one was quite sure if she was upset, overwhelmed or proud. It didn't matter, because as the credits rolled, the theatre erupted in thunderous applause. There it was. Her name. P. L. Travers. From small town Australia to England to LA. It couldn't have happened without her. Mary Poppins, the film, was nominated for 13 Oscars, Hollywood's highest honour, and won five. It was Disney's most successful production to date. Mrs Travers went on to write eight books in the Mary Poppins series. They've been translated into more than 20 languages and have never been out of print, ever. She lived close to 100 continuing to ruffle feathers and hatch stories. When she died, newspapers published curiously different tributes. One said she was the granddaughter of a politician, another the daughter of a rich sugar plantation owner. In reality, Mrs Travers had a poor and painful past, but she used her imagination to reinvent herself and create magic from her struggles. She proved she could be whoever or whatever she wanted. And if you ever wonder the difference between fact and fiction, open a copy of Mary Poppins, where you'll find the line, What is real and what is not? Can you tell me? Or are you? Perhaps we shall never know more than this. That to think a thing is to make it true. The imagination is a powerful tool. I'm Lisa Wilkinson. I'm a journalist and TV presenter. If you like the story of P.L. Travers, there are heaps more amazing stories for you to check out on the Fierce Girls podcast, like this one about the incredible Jessica Watson who sailed solo around the world. It was part roar, part screech, part scrape, Hot crack. This wasn't how it was supposed to go. Jessica Watson was a 16-year-old girl in a pink boat trying to prove that she could sail around the world all alone. Then she went and crashed into a 63,000-ton container ship while taking a nap. Oops. But Jessica survived and started again. She set her fears aside and sailed into the sunset spending her days surrounded by squeaking dolphins. Then there were the storms. Jessica's boat was pummeled by 10-metre waves. She ran up the cabin walls and onto the ceiling as the boat turned upside down over and over again. After seven months at sea, Jessica made it home. She was met by thousands of cheering fans, including the Prime Minister of Australia. He called her Australia's newest hero. But Jessica disagreed. 
I don't consider myself a hero. I'm an ordinary girl. An ordinary girl who always knew she could do it, and she did. What an adventure. To hear more awesome stories about Fierce Girls, go to the ABC Listen app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. Its executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley. It's produced by Laura McAuliffe and Rebecca Armstrong. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios.